Welcome to the Dinner Party Download. This is your icebreaker. So this this is a, a, an adaptation from an old Hedy Youngman joke. Okay, uh, two blondes are taking a helicopter up for the first time, and uh, they get up about a hundred feet, and it comes crashing down. And they, everybody runs up to it and says, "What happened?" And one of the blondes says, "Well, it got cold up there, so I turned off the fan." I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. I'm Rico Galliano, and from American Public Media, this is the Dinner Party Download, the show that helps you win your next dinner party. Our icebreaker this week came from playwright and celebrated father, Frank Galliano. Yes. You can find his book, Anton's Leap, on Amazon, and you can find his son sitting right across from me. Cool dad's rule. And uh, coming up, Molly Ringwald, uh, universal language, fizz, shoegazing, corn smut, and the suburbs made cool. But first... Time for small talk. So, Brendan, the theme this week in the news was tell us something we don't know. Uh, the Arizona immigration law caused a bunch of controversy just before it was enacted. Surprising. I can't believe it. Uh, <laughs> also, Representative Chuck Rangel got charged with ethics violations. Whoa. Now, that's weird. He's been in Congress for 20 terms. Yeah. I can't imagine he's compromised himself ever. I do not understand it. Uh, also, of course, WikiLeaks revealed the war in Afghanistan is a black hole of craziness. Once again, big surprise. Big su- what? But here's Here's my question. WikiLeaks, is that like Wikipedia? Can you go change the information so we're actually winning the war? You know what I mean? Like General Miley Cyrus replaced McChrystal and created a successful plan. <laughs> On WikiLeaks, we've, the war is over. I actually, I'm going to modify that right now. I actually don't know if that is the case. Stump the chump. Uh, for more sophisticated stories, folks, we turn to our colleagues at Marketplace. Reporter for Marketplace, Eve Tro. What story are you going to be talking about this weekend? Well, I was very excited to see that Zappos is now offering tours of its company in Las Vegas, Nevada. So I might just have to go to Vegas. Wait, you mean the internet shoe company? Yes, Zappos is the company, of course, that sells shoes online. I doubt there is a female in the country who doesn't know who that company is. (laughs) So what is their pitch? Come marvel at the only company in Nevada that actually provides an actual good and service? Right, something that doesn't hurt you, although a shoe addiction can be just as bad as a gambling addiction, I would say. Millie Jefferson, assistant producer for Marketplace, what story are you going to be talking about this weekend? Well, a court ruled this week that a former executive with Thomas's English Muffin is not allowed to take a job at Hostess. And why is that? Because they said he has intimate knowledge of the nooks and crannies recipe and he could take Thomas's recipe, which is a subsidiary of Bimbo's Bakery, and give it to Hostess. Wait a minute, Bimbo's Bakery? Yes. It says nothing about the deliciousness of the English muffin, however. I just want to be in those legal deliberations. (laughs) We have to defend Bimbo's nooks and crannies. Ethan Lindsay the producer for the Marketplace Morning Report. What story are you going to be talking about this weekend? Uh, well, it's official. The Washington Post has dubbed Washington, D.C. as the DMV. <laughs> Wait, as a nickname? Oh, yeah. It's, it's what the kids are calling it these days. It stands for D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. <laughs> so they named, like, the biggest bureaucracy in the world after the most inept bureaucracy in the world. Doesn't it seem like it should be L.A.? L.A. should be the DMV? I mean, we're the ones sitting in our cars all day. And now, time for cocktails. This is the part of the show where we tell you something that happened this week in history and then give you a fitting drink to serve along with it. It's like history is an Alka-Seltzer thrown into a jacuzzi of booze. 
<laughs> Double bubble action. It's a, it's a booze koozie. Uh, first, the history. This week back in 1887, a guy named L.L. Zamanoff published the Lingva Internacia. Now, the folks at your dinner party might guess that was some kind of South American revolutionary manifesto. They'd be wrong, yes. though it was kind of revolutionary. Michelle Philippis, here to tell you more. L.L. Zamanoff spoke the international language of peace. In fact, he invented it. See, Zamanoff loved languages. His dad spoke Russian and taught German. His mom spoke Yiddish. And he grew up in Poland, speaking Polish. He was fluent in all of it and went on to learn at least five other tongues. But the same didn't go for most folks in his hometown. Russians, Poles, Germans, and Jews literally couldn't understand each other. So they fought with and feared each other instead. Zamanov wished everyone could just get along. So he spent a decade inventing a new language, one that was easy to learn and wasn't tied to any one nationality. On July 26, 1887, he published it under the pen name Doctoro Esperanto, Dr. Hope. People around the world started learning Esperanto, but they didn't always have much to be hopeful about. Stalin suspected them of being spies. Hitler had Esperantists executed. By the 1950s, though, the UN recognized Zamenhof's language as a great tool for diplomacy. And William Shatner starred in an all-Esperanto movie. Chester, don't you? Me miras, Chester, vem. Katuriciak von Havas Kuritzbevon. Still, the universal tongue was never universally spoken. Only about two million people understand it, and just 2,000 of those were raised to speak it from birth. Of course, one of those native Esperantists is George Soros, among the wealthiest billionaires in the world. That was the history lesson. Now it's time for the booze. I'm on the line with Jonathan Pogash. He's the director for cocktail development at the World Bar, which is right across the street from the United Nations, a place that should be speaking Esperanto, but they don't. I'd love to learn Esperanto. Is that possible? <laughs> well, you're a bartender. I think you've learned the closest equivalent we have in this modern world, the drink. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> the universal language. So you heard the history lesson. What, uh, what cocktail did it inspire you to make? A highball drink called the Zamanoff Fizz. Yeah, I tried to incorporate several ingredients from around the world mainly those locations where he uh, was raised. So the base ingredient happens to be a Polish potato vodka called Chopin. Okay. I add this nice fresh apricot liqueur. It's an Austrian liqueur, freshly squeezed lemon juice. Okay. Uh, and I add a little bit of ginger beer. Ginger beer is mainly Caribbean, but enjoyed worldwide. And it's amazing you've been able to make a potato and apricot live in harmony together. Exactly. Who'd have thunk, huh? <laughs> so do you ever see any like UN people coming in? People that are supposed to be enemies on the outside like, and they're just having cocktails like at the bar? Absolutely. It, <laughs> really? it really brings countries together. You know, in most countries they have their own national spirit and they call it water of life in that various language. You know, vodka is voda or water in Russian. Well, I think in Russia that's because water actually is vodka. It's like what comes out of the tap. So I guess Zamanov was the only kid on earth who didn't speak pig Latin. <laughs> I mean, it must have been really sad when he found out. Hey, nice work, LL, but um, we already have a universal language, dude. Umr Bay. Odalite. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a website. 
It's in English. Dinnerpartydownload.org. Our guest of honor this week is Molly Ringwald. You can see her in the TV show The Secret Life of Teenagers. She has a new book out. It's called Getting the Pretty Back. And, oh yeah, she was one of the most iconic actresses of the 80s, the teen star of such John Hughes classics as Sixteen Candles and Pretty in Pink. Molly, welcome. Hi. You talk a lot in the book about dealing with fame at a young age, but your fame is a really specific kind of fame. For people of a certain age and background, you were the big sister that they never had. I can imagine people approaching you as like confessor, like telling you things from their youth that they, you know, their wasted youth, that kind of stuff. I don't really get that so much as a tremendous amount of goodwill towards me because people really do have a lot of their fondest memories kind of wrapped up in me, which I guess is kind of heavy, but it it, it's kind of sweet, too. And it's it's one of the reasons why I was interested to write my book. I thought, I've had these people that have followed my career for so long and grew up with me. It, it, I really wanted to write a book that was kind of like sitting down with your girlfriend and, you know, talking about food and motherhood and sort of bridging that kind of difficult time in a woman's life. I, I decided to write the book when I was turning 40. And I think it really is kind of, I mean, in a way, I guess it's the only way that I've really given back to my fans. Yeah, Generation X finally gets the slumber party they always <laughs> wanted to have with Molly Ringwald. Exactly. <laughs> All right, we have two questions that we ask everybody on the show. The first one is, if we are seated next to you at a dinner party, what question should we not ask you? Oh, it's, it's such a toss-up. I mean, one of them is, how often do I see the Brat Pack? Like, like we have family picnics or something. Um, I think the other question that I get is, is whether or not I can put lipstick on with my breasts. <laughs> For the older or, or maybe younger generation that have somehow never seen this film, this is, that's a scene from Breakfast Club, is that right? Yes, yeah, from, from Breakfast Club. Okay, well, we'll leave that to the older generation's imagination. How about? <laughs> uh, our final question is, tell us something we don't know something about yourself or just the world at large that will dazzle people at a dinner party um well it's not really about the world i guess it's about me but um i can bark like a dog incredibly realistically <laughs> it just so happens i have a microphone here to record the proof you close your eyes though so you get the full effect okay right. okay <laughs> that was good right <laughs> It was really good. Can you do more than one? Yeah, I can. I'm going to close your eyes again. <laughs> Where and how, why the hell did you learn to do that? I think I, I, you know, how did I do it? I think I had a dog and I was trying to sort of communicate with the dog, you know, at age, you know, eight or nine. And I discovered that I can make the same sound. But does it work? Do you, are you like the Pied Piper of dog? I am. I have no idea what I'm saying, but they get very excited. Wow. I'm not even sure I'm here right now. <laughs> I understand. Molly Ringwald barking like a dog. <laughs> People, if you've got a hidden talent, uh, tell us all about it on Facebook. It is facebook.com slash dinner party download. I'm folding my tongue right now. It really is, too. So we heard from our guest of honor. Now it's time for the main course, the part of the show where we learn about food. So, Rico, uh, you, the newspaper, The New York Times, you may have read it. I've heard of it. It wrote its second article on Korean barbecue tacos this week. <laughs> so we know that trend is dead, right? <laughs> it's <laughs> delicious, but dead. <laughs> it was dead the first time. Now it's double dead. <laughs> so I decided to check out what's happening in the Mexican food scene, like what the next trend will be. All right. And I found corn smut. 
I bet you did. Yes, not to be confused with your favorite website. All right. Its Spanish name is Wheat Lacoche, and it's a black fungus that grows on corn. Wow. <laughs> Give me two plates of we're, not we're, that. We're digging for these trends here. But, you know, actually, in some parts of Mexico, people love this stuff, and it commands more money than corn. Really? Yeah. So to check it out, I met with Gustavo Ariano. He's the food editor of the Orange County Weekly, and he's working on a book on the history of Mexican cuisine. Mm-hmm. And we went to El Rincón Chilango, a little restaurant that he says makes the best huitlacoche this side of the border. So I met up with him, and he told me the story behind the food's name. Huitlacoche has been around in the human diet since time immemorial, especially in the Americas where corn comes from. And huitlacoche literally means raven's or raven's poo-poo. Let's call it raven number two. Uh, (laughs) Why is that? Because the Aztecs... Frankly, they were very descriptive people, and so when you take off this corn fungus, it looks like raven's excrement. It's black, it's tarry, it's gooey, it doesn't really have the nicest of smells. I can't imagine why Taco Bell's never incorporated this in their menu. <laughs> yeah, it's it's something that in the American palate, there's no way on earth it would be desirable. But for the Aztecs, and specifically the region of central Mexico where the Aztecs reign supreme, huitlacoche was just part of the diet. You had your maíz, which is your corn maize, and then the huitlacoche was something that you would eat as an aside, as just something that you ate. It, it wasn't something you ate in abundance because you want the corn more than the huitlacoche, but still. Was it not a staple of the diet because it actually isn't, it doesn't happen to all corn. It's actually, it's an accident, right? You can't induce it, or at least back then they didn't know to induce it. Just like any fungus, just like any mushroom, you're not going to make the mushroom a central part of your diet. It's just something that you eat. I feel like the food uh, the food world has kind of hit this tipping point where now people are looking far and wide for the most obscure, crazy food. So the fact that this hasn't really hit the food blog world until very recently, I think is an indication that this probably doesn't taste very good. No, it's delicious. It's I mean, it's just like it's it's like a mushroom. <clears throat> I'm going to uh, let you order. Hola, ¿cómo está? Dos quesadillas de huitlacoches, sí. Él es de Filadelfia, no sabe nada de la comida mexicana. Did you just tell him I was handsome and nice? <laughs> no, I said you're from Philadelphia and know nothing about Mexican food. <laughs> so um, it looks like the color of mushrooms, it's a purple, blackish color. Mm-hmm, yeah, and then it's also spruced up with a little, some chopped up onions, sauteed onions, and also stray corn kernels. So in this case, the yellow corn kernels are actually the rarity in the sea of Huitlacoche. But I do think it looks like Raven's number two. It does, it does. You, you can't deny that fact. Mm-hmm. I think. Mushroom is the closest uh, thing I'm going. I think the fungus is pretty universal, this fungus flavor. So that said, it's no more disgusting than any usual mushrooms. You can pair the huitlacoche, you get some Oaxacan cheese, then you, you put repollo on top of it, cabbage, which gives it some crunch. I really do think if people try it, they'll like it. And this is something that people order again and again and again. But it also gives you that uh rights of like, I'm eating a raven number two. Yes, as I'm eating four. <laughs> Raven number two, man. I I solved their brand problem, right? Pretty clever. (laughs) Yes. Not amongst 10-year-olds. And you said you solved their brand problems? Who who are they? The the Weedle Lacoche Council. They're a fearsome lobby. And that's the Dinner Party download for this week. You can keep up with us between episodes on Twitter. We are Dinner Party D-N-L-D. Thanks this week to Jackson Musker, Jeff Peters, and Bridget Murphy for helping us set the table. And now we leave you, as always, with One for the Road, a tune to play on your way to, or departing from, this weekend's dinner party. This week, it's the band Arcade Fire. Here's their new single. It's from their forthcoming album. The song is called The Suburbs. Bon Appetit.
I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. Eco Ray. It's a.